reaching out to postmodern people. I don't groan. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless us, and then we will look at this subject from God's Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are a church family. We thank you that we can gather around your Word. And as there are many people here, guests and visitors from different parts of the world, we thank you that we can be one in Christ. And as we're one in Christ, may you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to us through your word this morning. May your word come alive to us. Please touch our hearts and draw us close to yourself and meet each one of us at our point of need. Oh Lord God, we thank you that you know exactly what we need to hear, what we need to be encouraged by, what we need to be lifted up with. Please come and, and, and be with us now. Please pour out your Holy Spirit upon myself and help me as I bring your word. Oh Lord God, without you, without your help, I cannot do this. My thoughts, my wisdom, my strength is just not enough for the task ahead. So please would you give me all that I need to be able to communicate the message that you have for us this morning from your word. Bless us richly, we pray. And may this time not just be a blessing in the moment, but may it be something that goes on to yield eternal blessing and brings much glory and honor to your great and holy name. In Jesus' name we prayed. Amen. Well, as I said there in, in introduction, uh, we're going through a, a little short series over the summertime on uh, reaching out. And uh, this came off the back of uh, a, a visit I had uh, to another church, to a conference, where I was asked to, to speak on the subject of reaching out, and I was given five subjects uh, the week before last when I was here, we were speaking about reaching out to students. And what we were really looking at then was just the basics, what the Great Commission is. And, and we were challenged from God's Word that we are all called to go out and to share the Gospel. It's not just for the pastors, the evangelists, the, the, the missionaries. It is for all of us, any disciple, anyone who's been brought into God's kingdom. We are told to go out. And when that's daunting and when that's frightening, we have to realize that Jesus has all authority. And it's Jesus who has all authority who told us to do this. And it's Jesus with all authority who said, I will be with you till the end of the age. We can do this through Christ who strengthens us. Now, the, the church that I was at felt that reaching postmodern people would be uh, a good subject. And uh, when I saw it initially, I thought, this is not a very good subject. I didn't like the idea of it. Who wants to? Anyway. It's very important, and I think as we just look at it for a moment and, and define what it is, we will realize how important it is for us to understand this and get our minds to it. You see, for a doctor to treat an illness, he has to know what it is. You, you would be very unimpressed if you went into the doctor's surgery, you sat in the chair, and before you told him what your symptoms were, he said, go take those three times a day. You say, uh, wait a minute, doctor. Uh, these are for a sore throat, and I've got a headache. Yeah. So to be treated for something, you need to know what it is you are treating. And to be able to reach out to, to postmodern people, or should I say people living in a postmodern age, we have to know what it is. And so, sorry, a very small history lesson, yes? Those of you who don't like history, you might want to stand up or something. Just bear with it. It, it will help us to understand this. You see, way, way before Jesus came was the ancient Roman period. And that went on to about 470 uh, in this last couple of millennia. 
And then there was what was called the medieval period that went through from the, the fa- finish of the Roman period uh, to the start of what's called the Renaissance. And the Renaissance started in the 14th century. And then in the middle of the 17th century, there was this period called the early modern period. And then that went on to, guess what? The late modern period. And now, shock of shocks, if we've had the early, if we've had the late, what comes next? Post. Post. It's postmodern. We are after modern. And, and so most historians say from 1945 to present, we are living in the postmodern age. And so we could just quite simply say we're all postmodern because we're living in the postmodern age. But each of these periods have a defining philosophy that, that feeds into the culture and the behavior of the people. And so in very, very simple terms, I just want us to, to, to think of that what, hap- what life was like before modernism. And before modernism came in, there was an era of religion and God being truth. Uh, Some people call that period the Enlightenment. And it was when people, generally speaking, believed in God and people, generally speaking, were religious. And God was a truth that if you spoke to anybody in, in the European Western environment, they would say, God is truth. And then postmodernism came in. And it came in with a lot of innovation and science and, and technology and, and, and development. And, and, and God started getting pushed out. And science became the truth. And innovation became what everything was all about. And we had various revolutions. And we, we were seeing lots of, sort of technical revolutions, agricultural revolutions, and all these things which, which progressed. And so things changed from being God being truth to science being truth. And now this postmodern philosophy and mindset is a denial, a total denial of those first two viewpoints. You see, postmodernism will will, will say it's an area of pluralism. All different truths can coexist together. Relativism. Truth is not absolute. So, Black can be white and white can be black. Why? Because I think white is black and black is white. And you can't say anything about that because that is uh, what I think. Uh, There is uh, an intersectionality. And that's the way systems of inadequacy based on forms of discrimination intersect. And we'll come on to that more in a moment. So so postmodernism can be expressed very simply like this. It's saying that there is no such thing as truth. And I think that's quite frightening. The philosophy of postmodernism, just simply, simply compressed, and it's very difficult to, and it's probably and it, uh, does it a disservice in some ways of an explanation, but let's just think of it like that. And so, like I said to the children, in this postmodern age, if you want to identify as a tree and say that you are a tree, you can do that. I once tried to identify as a dwarf in England, and people found it rather funny. But why not? That's my truth. That's how I see myself. I can do that. And that's what postmodernism allows you. You see, you have people saying, I I am not a man, when biologically they are. 
And, and this whole philosophy allows for things like that. You see, people may not identify as say that I am a postmodernist, but we are in this culture, and it's all around us. And in this modern culture, people are no longer seeking the truth. People no longer want the truth, but instead what they want is answers to ease their discomfort. Answers to make things better for them. And so therapeutically, they would prefer to take drugs and uh, to make things better. And, and we've seen sort of the, the result of, and I'm not wanting to get political or messed up here, but just the whole way COVID is being treated therapeutically as if, it is, if, it, as if we have to find an answer to heal it rather than finding out what the real problem is. And also within this, there's blaming others and playing the part of a victim. Now, not for a moment am I going to condone, condone racism, sexism, or any of the isms. That, that they're godless and sinful. But these things become so important in the postmodern era. They become a label that you wear, and, and you become part of a victim within that. A philosopher, a French philosopher, uh, Jean-Francis uh, Leotard, or Leotard, or if you're French-speaking, you tell me how to pronounce that properly later. He said that, Postmodernism has an incredulity towards meta-narratives. Now, that's a whole big, long sentence. Let's just cut it down simply. A meta-story is the grand story that explains all of the stories. So, God's word is a meta-story. God's word explains everything that is going on. Yeah? It is a great example. It is the example of a meta-narrative. It starts with creation. It goes on to the fall. It goes through the flood. It talks about the covenants and the law and the promises for God's people. It brings the prophets and the prophecies. It points forward to Christ. It brings Christ into our knowledge. It shows Christ's death and resurrection. And in God's word, we have the big answers to life. Who I am? How did I get here? Where am I going? What is the meaning of life? And it's found in this meta-narrative of God's word. And postmodern philosophy takes a meta-narrative like this and says it is a joke. It is not real. At best, they'll say, that's okay for you, but I believe something else, and that is okay for me. But the reality is, postmodernism, where there is no truth, Postmodernism, where words have no objective meaning. Postmodernism is where we discover our own truth by inventing our own story. This really means that the postmodern philosophy is totally, totally opposed to Christianity. And that's what we're seeing more and more and more. And it's creeped in quietly. And now it's like this big explosion in front of us. And we as Christians, we're surprised. How can someone who is biologically male claim to be female? And how did that happen? Well, it was because this, this whole getting rid of the meta-narrative, this whole thing of truth being subjective, this whole thing of being there, pushed aside, is there. It is opposed to Christianity. They don't want to know from God's word who I am and how I got here and where I'm going from. The people of this culture, the people of this day and age, are much happier just dreaming up their own ideas and their own story, whether it's truth or not, is as good 
is anyone else's. And I'm sure if you've shared the gospel with someone, probably recently from a, from a European region of the world, a Western European region of the world, they might just shrug their shoulders and say, that's great for you, this is what I believe, and they go their way. There is no truth. Your truth and their truth, it's all the same. Jordan Peterson, uh, a psychologist who specializes in the psychology of religion and ideologies, he argues that there is this. He argues that postmodernism doesn't have a shred of gratitude. It doesn't have a shred of gratitude because there is no truth. And if there's no truth, what can you be thankful for? And so this fuels a resentment and entitlement. And we see this in our young people nowadays. Our young people are entitled to everything. Our young people resent things when it doesn't work out the way they think it should do because they should have it. Because why? Well, because I thought I should have it. I should have a 100% mark in this exam. Why? Because I think I should. I need it. Did you study? No, I didn't, but I need 100%. Why should you have it? I should have it because I thought I should have it because I'm worth it. Why are you worth it? Because an advert I saw told me I was worth it, and I am worth it. And then this is where it all gets messed up in people's minds. Now, he, he also went on to say very, very helpfully, uh, and we've got to unpack this, but Western culture is fell logocentric. And, and this basically means that words and language are the fundamental to the expression of reality. How do we get to know each other? Because we have value in our words and communicate with each other. But what postmodernism starts saying is those words don't really have value. And because these words don't have value, and what is truth anyway, it means that an individual can't express themselves. And in reality, as postmodernism denies the power of words, in essence, Peter Jordan, Jordan St. Peterson argues that they don't believe in the individual. Rather than the individual, you identify as part of a classification. And we're all being classified. It's happening all the time. We Africans, you Africans, blacks, whites, this tribe, that tribe, this gender, that gender, that orientation. Everyone's cutting themselves down into little things. And then that gives ability to have victim culture. Everyone is either oppressed or the oppressor. And the great oppressors are white Christian males. We are, uh, me, (laughs) I'm at the end of the feeding chain. It's all my problem. It's all my fault. My, my truth doesn't count for anything. That's where it seems to be going. And, and everyone is either oppressed or the oppressor. And then we get cancel culture. You've probably heard that expression where someone is cancelled. Something they said in the past is brought to the front and you said that, we don't want to listen to you anymore. We're not going to read your books. You're not going to be invited on a radio program. You're not going to be a person. All your past tweets are just erased, as it were. You, you become nothing. And, and that's because they don't believe in the individual. The, the, the narrative that's important to them is the expression of whether you are oppressed or an oppressor. They don't believe in logic. You see, it's interesting, isn't this logocentric? Logos is, is in there. And, and the root word of, of logic is logos. And, and because of this, they don't believe, they don't like logic because that's what they believe is how the patriarch dominate their ideas. Logic is not good because logic makes reason and reason tells the truth and we don't like the truth. So what do we do? We get rid of logic. And if we get rid of logic, we get rid of reason, we get rid of the truth. 
And it sounds ridiculous when I say it like this, but you've probably seen this all around you. You probably see this happening. Suddenly, people are not allowed to discuss things. They, they don't believe in dialogue. One of, the, one of the great things that we used to have is, is, is in, in, institutions in the UK, universities, was university unions where they could have open forum and proper discussion. And people would argue, proper argue, from two points. And, and the students and the academics would listen on and throw in ideas, and there would be a dialogue, and there would be an argument. And what's happening now is people are being banned from doing that. And why are they being banned from doing it? Because they don't agree with letting people speak their ideas that are against their beliefs, their truth. And so this is where it gets frightening. Their truth, the truth of anything other than the logos, the word, is there. And so in the UK, people are banned on Twitter. And some people should be banned from Twitter, quite frankly. Perhaps everyone should be banned from Twitter and the world would be a better place. There is no right for, for, for violence and hate. But, but expressing some things that seem scientifically backed or common sense, and you say that and it goes against someone else, you can be banned. You see, in essence, postmodernism is the rejection of the Logos. And that's what I want us to think about. We want to reach these people. We want to reach a culture and people who are rejecting the Logos. That's what we're seeing defined. As a doctor looks on the situation and says, what is the illness? What is the problem? The problem of postmodernism is it is rejecting the Logos. To reach postmodern people, to reach people affected by this postmodern culture, and, you know, and it's there all around us, we have to lovingly, patiently point them to the Logos, to point them to the Word. Why am I deliberately emphasizing this? Why do we read from John 1? In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Logos. The Logos. You see, modern people, postmodern people, people suffering from this, need the Logos because the postmodern world is a very, very dark place. It's portrayed as something liberating, portrayed as something amazing, but it is cynical and it's dangerous and it's without hope. It's a world without gratitude. It's a world without individual identity. It's a world without truth, a world without logic, a world without dialogue. Postmodernism is a world of rights, void of freedom or responsibility. It's a shocking place to be, isn't it? A world of rights, but void of real freedom or responsibility. And, and the Gospel of John breathes and speaks right into this. And it says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that is made. Jesus is the Word. And Jesus was there at the beginning of the world. And Jesus' words created the world and everything that is there. But more than that, Jesus was not created. Jesus is God and he is the God-man and he was with God the Father from the beginning because there was no beginning, because he always has been. And Jesus was there at the beginning of this world as he spoke those words, that Logos came out. And when Jesus came to this world, he came to this world in 
as a man, but he also came to this world as God. And he came to this world to give people the freedom and the responsibility that they lost. You see, people in one sense want freedom and they find it in rights. But they don't want responsibility. They just want their own story. And we haven't got a right to our own story per se. We are individuals, and that's wonderful. And there is an individual story to be told. But the big story, the meta story is this, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The big story is this, that Jesus, speaking powerful words, spoke the world and brought it into existence. And 2,000 years ago, Christ came to this world. But back then, in the beginning, when the world was perfect, in Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish and of the seas and over the birds and over the heaven and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing and everything that creeps on the earth. See, the world was given to mankind. Mankind was given a responsibility, a responsibility to look after the world. And, and man was put into the garden, Genesis 2.15. The Lord took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. He, God gave us the world. God gave us the responsibility to look after it. And he also gave us a responsibility to obey God. There in Genesis 2 and verse 16, And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may eat of every tree in the garden, but... Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. And the darkness enters the world as Adam and Eve take that fruit, lose their freedom, abuse their creator. They shirk his responsibilities and disobey him and sin enters the world. And as a result of that sin, we're living in an age, in a postmodern age, where the postmodern person looks on this story and says, I do not want it. But the reality is this. What this postmodern world needs is the lights to be turned back on. And, and you see, the postmodern world is desperately trying to solve the problems. And, and, you, and you'll hear it. You'll hear them talking of racism. You'll hear them talking of sex discrimination. You'll be hearing them talking of, 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 of oppression. You'll be hearing them talking of modern slavery and, and all these things. And they are issues. But just giving an issue, a label, is not going to solve the problem. The problem is these issues get, date back to sin. And it's because there is sin in the world that these problems are in the world. And what these postmodern people in their wisdom are doing is saying, there is no truth. Let's put a sticky plaster on this problem and give it a name and we'll have those that are oppressed and those that are the oppressors and we discriminate against the oppressors because they've discriminated against us and that will make it better. And it doesn't. Because sin is still there. Rebellion against God is still there. Rebellion against God is at the heart of the problem. And trying to run away from the truth will not counter the darkness. The darkness across the West is getting darker. People are getting further and further away from their God-fearing past. And the light has been put out. And these people are desperately trying to find solutions for the problems. And they're not going to find them. 
Because the problem is sin. The problem is in themselves and they don't want that truth. You see, the Logos, Jesus, came back to this world to overcome the mess that man made of it. He came back. John 1.4 And in him was life. Death is what Adam brought into the world. Death and darkness is what we're living under now. Death and darkness is what is demonstrated by the postmodern ideology. And Jesus is life. The Logos is life. And the light was, the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Friends, this is it. This is the truth. Just as Jesus spoke the world into its beginning, Jesus came back to this world. And the darkness is dissipating from it. Because the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. Verse 14 of that chapter 1 of John. And we have seen his glory. The glory as the Son from the Father. Full of grace and truth. Jesus was no less God when he dwelt on the earth. As a man than he was there at creation. The Son of God came to this world to seek and save the lost. The Son of God came to pay for the punishment of the sins of his people. And just as... We, we think of that. It underlines the fact that what the postmodern person needs is the Logos. They're trying to satisfy their problems with nothing, with emptiness, with the emperor's clothes. There's just nothing there. And the Logos, Christ, is what they need. But I think sometimes, friends, when we look at this world, we think it's getting darker. And it feels like that, doesn't it? And sometimes what we can do in in that darkness is think, what we need to do is close those doors of the church and let's keep the light in here and let's make sure that we shine brightly in here. And what we have to remember is it's not our light that's shining, it's Christ's light. It's Christ that came into this world to dispel the darkness. And what we need to do, friends, is to take the word of Christ and shine it out into this dark world. Because what the postmodern person needs, desperately needs, is Christ. And no matter how dark and how mad and how insane this postmodern world becomes, and no matter how painful your own personal situation, and no matter how bleak the earthly outlook is around us, friends, the darkness outshines. No. I got you there, didn't I? The light outshines the darkness. Just the other day, Rachel and I were having an isolated COVID-friendly walk with no one else, so please don't judge. And we saw the sun going down. And Rachel turned around to me and said, you know what, it'll come up again tomorrow. And it does, doesn't it? And if you've ever seen a sunrise, if, if you haven't, shame on you. You should, Yeah? And if you haven't, it's not very difficult to do, yes? Most of you students are up till nearly that time anyway. Just stay up a little bit longer or, or go to bed and get up early. But what happens, if you, if you were stood here looking at it, you'd look over there and just across the mountains, the mountains would be pitch black, inky dark. And then slowly, this band of like an aquamarine blue, just edge starts to come. And you can almost... Hold your breath and thinking, will it get light? 
and it does, and then before too long, the, the whole darkness is just dispelled, and the sun comes blazing out, and you think, oh no, it's going to be 38 degrees again. But the sun comes up, and the sun comes, and it dispels the darkness. And this is what Christ did when he came to this world. He dispelled the darkness. And even though we feel like we're living in a dark time now, the hope that Christ brings comes. That's what the postmodern people need. But postmodern people need a messenger. They need a messenger. They need someone to tell them this, yeah? They need someone to tell it. In verse 6 of John doesn't start by giving us a description of John the Baptist, but starts by telling us he was a man sent from God. Before his name was given, he was told he was a man. And as a man, he was sent to do a particular task. And it's amazing to think that God chooses men and women to do his task of sharing his word. You see, postmodern people need a messenger, and a messenger is sent by God. John the Baptist was sent by God to do this job. And maybe you're thinking, I need to be sent by God to do this. No, we're all sent by God. Last time we saw this, didn't we? Go into the world. Make disciples. That's our job. That's our responsibility. Everyone here who's a Christian has been sent by God to witness, has been sent by God to share this gospel message. John was listened to because he came in God's authority and power because God had sent him. And you may think, why will a postmodern person listen to me? Because God has sent you. What? Because God has sent you. Go therefore. Go and teach them. But we have to remember this, that the messenger is not about himself. You see, in verse 8 of this chapter, 1 of the Gospel of John, it says that John the Baptist, he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. You're not the light in here, you Christians. You're light bearers. What you are to do is to be a witness to the light, a witness to Jesus. John the Baptist had a job to do, and that was to point to the light. He was not a follower of fashion. He wasn't an expensive eater. He went around in camel hair clothes. I'm not telling you to do that. He went around eating locusts and wild honey. That's not to tell you to do that. What it, that's saying basically, he was not an Instagram evangelist. He wasn't going around saying, look at me. He was going around saying, look at Christ. His life was not about himself. His life wasn't about his comfort. His life was about the mission. And friends, you need to be about the mission. You need to be not about yourselves. And the reality is, if you bring this truth to people who are caught up in this culture, they will not like it. But it is that truth that will set them free. How many times has your mother given you that medicine that is horrible? That tastes foul? And my mother's smiling because she knows exactly what's going through my mind. I did not like that stuff. But I had to have it because it made me better, you know? And friends, you've got the medicine for the sickness of this world. The Lord Jesus Christ came to save people from their sins, and that's where the problem of this world is. And we need to share it. And yes, it will cause offense, and yes, people will be upset about it. But should that stop you? No, it shouldn't. Because the messenger is all about reflecting the light. John, in that same, John the Baptist says about himself in verse 27 of chapter 1, even he who comes after me, that was Jesus, the straps of whose sandal I'm not unworthy to tie. And Matthew reports John the Baptist saying this, of him who's to come after me is mightier than me, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. 
John the Baptist is saying, this is Christ. He is the great one. I'm, I'm not even worthy to be this messenger. I sometimes think, if John the Baptist had a Facebook profile, what would it be like? Could you see him standing, holding a staff in his camel top with a locust in this hand and a pot of honey? No, it wouldn't, would it? That's just in Congress. It would be in pointing to Christ. It would be in a text. It would be in a message. It would be saying, look to Christ. And if you want to reach people caught in this postmodern world, it's not about you. It's about Christ. And that's what we need to be doing, friends. Pointing people to Christ. He is the savior of the world. You're the messenger of that salvation. But you, you are not the savior of the world. Christ is the truth. And you are not. I am not. The messenger should be all about the message. Verse 6, a man was sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all, that, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was come into the world. The message was a message that was given to him. It was not something you made up. You don't need to make up the message, friends. It's been given to us. And the message was to be a witness to the light. And the message was to bring people to repentance and to believe. And the message was to introduce and announce Jesus to the people. And his message was all about Jesus. And his message was all about people coming to believe in Jesus. And his message was all about people coming into a relationship with God, our Father, through Jesus Christ. And friends, post Modern people need a messenger, and that messenger is you. It's you. This is your job. This is your responsibility. This is your privilege. It is your privilege to be a witness to the light. It's your privilege to tell people that they need to repent and believe. It's your privilege to show people Christ. And if you want to reach postmodern people affected by this, you need to be faithful to the message. You'll not be able to argue a postmodern person to salvation. A lot of them are fantastically intellectual and minds massive and they'll run rings around you. And you'll not be able to make a postmodern person accept Christ. And you'll not be able to prove the truth to a postmodern person. And even if you had the biggest book of apologetics and banged it over their head, you wouldn't change them. But post modern people can be saved. Third point, last point, and we're quickly going to go through this and wrap up. You see, it would be totally and utterly discouraging if it was left to ourselves. John the Baptist could not have done it by himself, and he didn't. He pointed to Christ. And you see, these people do not engage and they reject every concept of truth and the very thing that's going to set them free is the truth and is the logos but if we look at this passage from this passage we see there are only two reactions there are those who are believing and those who are non-believing verse 10 he was in the world this is Jesus and the world was made through him yet the world did not know him Jesus God, man, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who made all things, was walking around that world in John's time. And people could see him, and people could witness his signs, and people saw the miracles. People saw him 
feed 5,000 people. People saw blind people receive their sight. People saw lame people get up and walk. People saw demons cast out. People saw amazing miracles. People saw the dead brought back to life. And then yet, they did not recognize the Creator. God the Creator was in their midst and they didn't know Him. And friend, you can come here week by week and you can hear the Gospel proclaimed and you can still not know Christ because you are not believing in him. You may believe in the creator, but if you're not believing in him as your savior, you don't know him. And so yes, there is a sense that this world is unbelieving, but verse 11 also goes on to tell us, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. It gets worse, doesn't it? Jesus came to the Jewish people, the very people that he was promised to. The completion of the Old Testament was in front of them. The promises and prophecies were coming through, and they didn't want the Savior of the world. They didn't want the truth. What is truth, as Pilate said, and as they went out and crucified him. They wanted a king that would kick out the Romans, not a Savior who would make him right. They wanted their own truth and not the truth. And right now there are people chasing postmodernism over their eternity. We don't finish with verse 11, do we? Verse 12 says, But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Postmodern people can be saved. They will be saved. God has got his harvest out there. It's whitened. And the good news that anyone who receives Jesus, anyone who believes in the name of the Lord, anyone who God works in his life will become the children of God. It's an amazing wonder that people did receive and they do receive through the power of God. You see, the power of the message is not in the messenger. The people did not, were not saved because John came. The people were saved because Jesus came. And the power of the message was not in the recipient. The recipient didn't say, oh, I am saved because of my listening. No, they're saved because God worked in their heart and their lives. Friends, we cannot save postmodern people from the darkness. But Jesus, who is the light of the world, has overcome the darkness. And Jesus, who is the light of the world, died on the cross to save his people. Verse 13 says, Those who are born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Friends, there are people out there right now who are postmodern, and God has got his hand on them, and they will be saved. And the missing part of the jigsaw, if you like, is you. Your role, your responsibility, your opportunity, what you are called to do is to go out there and reach them. To go out there and share Christ with them. To go out there and share this truth with them. You see, a natural birth needs humans to make it happen. And in the context of this verse, it's not talking about a natural birth. It's talking about God. He gave them the right to become children of God. They're born again. They're adopted into God's family. And God will do it. And so, friends, we can say that that people, no matter how dark and steep they are in postmodernism, no matter how much they've refused the truth, when God works, they will be saved. The power of the cross... The blood that was shed, the atonement that's been made is powerful enough 
And so the challenge to us is to play our part in this process. We need to get out there and reach these people. It's so easy for us to stay in here and say, aren't they awful? Aren't they silly? Let's make some jokes about them. He's a man and thinks he's a woman. How stupid, how tragic. It's a soul that's lost. That's what we should be thinking. These people are so darkened. What are we doing about it? Let's not condemn them. Let's show them the Logos. Let's show them Christ in our lives, in our love, in our action, and in our words. Let's live a Logos, Christ-filled life that's full of purpose and meaning in front of them. Let's point them to Christ. Let's pray and plead that Christ will save them through the power of the Holy Spirit. And who knows what a change will happen. You know, there's periods of history, isn't there? There are periods of history. In the periods of history, we had pre-modernism. We had modernism. We're in post-modernism. What's next? What is next? See, wouldn't it be wonderful to think that the next era was the era of Christ's coming and Christ's people being raised up to proclaim his name as it should be? You don't know what the future is. God does. It's in his hands. But what we do know is we've been called to go out to all people. And amongst them are those postmodern people caught in darkness. And they need Christ. And you, friends, are the messengers. Amen. I just want you to take a moment to, to, to think and pray about what you've heard. And then we'll sing our, our closing hymn together in a moment.